Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for episode four of season six of Supergirl titled Lost Souls. And we're going to talk about the parallel storyline of Alex and Kara in this episode and specifically the ways that they seek to fill the void that has been left by each other and the way that the concept of Elmira stronger together is supported in a particular way in this episode. Hmm. And you had a neat observation that has spurred on quite a few <laughs> meta thoughts. Yes. Yeah, so it's funny because normally we take a little while to choose our topic focus for each episode, but I finished watching this one and immediately was like, I know what we're going to do um, <laughs> because there was some really cool stuff happening in this episode with each of them going through an almost identical storyline in ways that, as Cycle said, call attention to each of them coping in the absence of the other. Mm. And it was also very nicely symbolically manifested through each of them having this specific object that lets them see the thing that they are missing. So mm. Alex has the crystal, the hologram of Kara, and Kara discovers the mirror that Alora had created to get back to home. Yeah, And so that was my kind of framing idea of like, oh, we have these two different like enchanted objects. <laughs> but the other part of it is that the mirror specifically, and they, they've really been leaning into Harry Potter imagery this season in a way that's been delightful. But for those of you who are familiar with the books and or the movies, the whole idea of this mirror showing the thing that Kara wants to see is, is very similar to the mirror of Erised. Which is desire backwards. Yes. And so from the Harry Potter series in the first book, Harry finds this mirror in like a random like old room. And when he looks into it, he sees his family that he had lost. And Dumbledore explains to him that it shows you the thing that you desire most in your heart, which is why it shows something different for everyone. Mm. And so you have Kara and Alex each spending time kind of thinking about this thing that they have currently lost and are trying to retain. The other thing that's kind of interesting in this episode, as far as like the parallels go, is that for Alex and for Kara, their major conflicts as a hero in this episode are centered around what to do with each of these objects. Mm. And it creates multiple different kinds of moral dilemmas for them in ways that are similar to the use of the mirror of Erised in Harry Potter, because you have Zorel tell Kara that to activate the mirror in the Phantom Zone, you have to be a righteous person in order to not only activate it, but also see what you're seeking. And in the story of Harry Potter, Dumbledore enchants the mirror to protect an item. And he explains that only someone who wants to find this powerful object, but not use it, will be able to get to it. In the idea of being principled is like a key component of being able to see the thing that you desire. Yeah. Well, and then if you consider the, the element of it, which is not using it. Yeah. Kara sure fulfills that as well. She sure, yeah, she 100% does. <laughs> and the other part that seemed like an intentional connection was there's a line in the, the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone story said by Voldemort, who, as we will remember from last season, Kara said was the most like scary movie villain of all time. Hmm. that there is no good and evil. There is only power, which is the theme of season six of Supergirl, hmm. and those too weak to seek it. And that was somewhat similar to what Nixley says to Kara hmm. when they're having their standoff over the use of the mirror and 
leaving Zorel behind. So yeah, there's a lot of cool subsexual fun stuff going on there, which is neat. Yeah. One of my favorite sort of thematic connections there is the, I think, most well-known quote associated with the mirror of Erised, which is, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. We have that show up in a big way thematically with Alex in this episode. Mm, yeah. And how she related to the hologram of Kara, kind of in the way that like Harry in the Harry Potter story would see his parents reflected in mm. the mirror. You know, someone who is not around anymore, <laughs> we'll say. Well, and specifically also because he was lonely. Mm. And so this idea of like, not dwelling on, yeah. <laughs> not staying there and sitting in front of the mirror or in front of a hologram and forgetting to live, as it were. And we see Alex in this episode make the decision to lose this sort of memory of Kara in a way, lose this recording of her in order to possibly get her back. And it makes sense that Alex would make the decision, even though we saw her in the previous episode, go to this hologram of Kara to feel better because she missed her. Mm. Because in the pilot episode, Alex gave Kara a little crystal that had a hologram of Alora on it. And Kara has had a hologram, like artificial intelligence of her mom throughout the seasons. But Alex has seen how much having that actually affected Kara in maybe not great ways. Mm, yeah. And and how she also saw how Kara had this great like connection to her mom, but the hologram could not offer her things like a hug. <laughs> You know, she, mm -hmm. she asked for that at one point and it sometimes can't even answer her questions in the right way because it's just not her. And and that's the wisdom that Alex actually gives to Kara, which is Kara, that's not your mom when she's really upset in season one about things that Alora had done. And in this way, we sort of see the idea of Amara stronger together show up in how now Kara's experiences, her life experiences and, and the things that she's learned benefit Alex as someone who has been with her on that journey and helped her tying into this thematic idea that we see show up a lot throughout the episode. Mm. And just last episode, Alex had said, fragments of the people we love aren't the same thing. Yeah. So she had made peace in that way, for sure. And when she helped Jean make a similar decision with being willing to risk the bit of Magan's soul that was in him mm. in order to get actual Magan back. And so we see the idea that, like, it's more important to live, in a sense, to to push forward, I think, is the idea that the show supports in terms of, like, what the idea of living is. Mm. And then one of the other revealing things in that scene with the hologram of Kara is that the section that Alex is playing at this point is Kara talking about what the Danvers family taught her mm. about expanding the definition of family and the concept of family, which... I think we've talked about before in some of the family-oriented podcast episodes, right. Kara's concept of that is very different from Krypton to Earth. Mm. Yeah, in season one, we see Kara take the blood bonds us all, the phrase that we heard initially from Astra, and sort of update it to reflect her own beliefs that she has acquired throughout the years and specifically in relation to her relationship with the Danvers family and, you know, her general fam. Mm. <laughs> to love bonds us all. And in that moment, in this episode, Kara says family isn't about blood or last names. Yeah. Which is really nice in terms of the found family energy. Yeah. And it was really a choice that reflects how much Kara's grown as a person since she arrived mm -hmm. on Earth. Because in this moment, and we've seen it repeatedly throughout the front part of the season, you have, again, 
this fusion of the legacies that Kara has absorbed and that she wants to leave behind and and make the mark as herself Mm. because she is still representing the House of L. That's what she chose to wear symbolically to make this gift to her loved ones. But she's also saying these pieces of my family on earth are a huge part of how I became the person that I am too. Yeah. And we see both her and Alex applying both sets of values repeatedly throughout this episode. Mm, Yeah. And it's also fitting because uh, getting back to this mirror imagery and thematic connection to Harry Potter, (laughs) Harry Potter is another story that was pretty big on found family, especially after the loss of parents. Yeah, the references to Harry Potter as a piece of media have been present in the show since season one, and Kara was the first character to bring them up. Mm-hmm. And it's something that both Kara and Alex specifically have referenced repeatedly throughout the show. In part, it makes sense. It's like an age-appropriate cultural touchstone that they'd both be familiar with. Mm-hmm. But also just for Kara... The idea of being like an orphan child stuck with another family and you have weird powers that make strange things happen mm. would probably have felt oddly relatable. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's nice about the references to Harry Potter is that they tend to serve like kind of a thematic, like emotional purpose. Mm-hmm. There are some that are just like fun, throwaway things. Yeah. But it's nice to see the, like, for instance, the found family sort of parallel. And in this episode, it reinforces that like found family theme. But to expand upon that part of it, what you brought up of the House of L legacy and, and the Danvers family legacy mm-hmm. showing up in Kara, in the scene where Alex and Lena are watching the hologram Kara, we actually hear a variation on one of the musical themes from the pilot episode in the scene where Kara's parents are sending her away in the pod. Mm, when Krypton's like collapsing, essentially. Right. Yeah. And then we hear it again in that same sort of montage opening when she joins the Danvers family. Mm, so when the pods opened, right? Or after that? A little bit after when the pods opened and she is like standing in front of the Danvers family, like Eliza's walking up with Jeremiah. Oh, The handoff from one set of parents to the other. Right. Yes, exactly. And it shows up in other contexts, like in that same episode where we have the hologram of Alora appear for the first time. And then also with the hologram of Alora, when Kara says that she would ask for a hug, Mm. we hear it when she talks to Kat. She says how she has a foster mom and then she explains that her parents died in a fire. Mm. So we see it show up in these scenes often where Kara, you expect her to be feeling feelings about like her mother or her parents and also in connection with the Danvers family and and Mm. how there is that sort of link between them going back to that House of L and Danvers legacy fusion with Kara. (laughs) But in this scene with Alex and Lena watching the hollow Kara, the theme ends on like the wrong note in the sense Mm. that it's a little bit off or like unsettled like it doesn't feel quite resolved Mm, like musically yes and like there's something sort of missing which there is because Kara is not there and in the scene we're seeing Kara sort of almost step into the role that Alora had played for Kara she's now doing that for Alex and and just like Kara is missing her mom, you know, back in season one and and learning from the Allura hologram. She is, again, 
as we'll talk about more, missing and, and reflecting upon her mother. And then Alex is missing Kara, but trying to honor her in that same kind of way hmm. in terms of legacy. Yeah. And she did so in a way that very nicely built upon the point that you made last week, Cycles, that Alex was using the crystal in the way that was intended, which was as something comforting versus as like a punishment. Mm. And it was very clear from this because we see her here using it as like a motivation and inspiration to to find a way to get Kara back. And also in some ways as like a guidepost of mm. how to move forward. Yeah, which it serves basically the function that Kara would have hoped and <laughs> intended with her her legacy download. <laughs> It harkens back to, for me, the quote from the Crisis crossover when Kara has the conversation with Clark about Krypton. And she says, Krypton's not just a place, it's a spirit. It's hope, it's sacrifice. And these specific things, hope and sacrifice, are the things that Alex in this episode tries to honor. And in kind of an awesome way, <laughs> we see how the House of L and, and Krypton's legacy as connected to that lives on because of the Danvers, mm -hmm. both in the sense that Alex here, literally in this episode, is trying to honor Kara and her beliefs and the beliefs that Kara gained in connection to her culture, but also more broadly in the sense that the Danvers family supported Kara in a way that allowed her to honor the legacy of Krypton and, and advance the best qualities from that culture, you know, as far as Kara sees it. Mm. They gave her the support and the space to become the best version of herself and, and become extraordinary. They were essential in that way, <laughs> which, you know, takes us to the way that Alex is trying to honor Kara's like legacy since she's not around and kind of the way that we see that Alex sees Kara as a hero. Mm. Like we know that Alex loves Kara and sees positive qualities in her. She talks about it plenty. But it's nice to see her value heroic qualities that maybe Alex is not in the past like personally aligned with. And this week, the emphasis as far as like what Alex is thinking about with Kara and what Alex misses about Kara is on Supergirl as opposed to maybe her sister, the way that she was feeling last week. And we see it come out and how she's like, oh, Supergirl would have stopped this by now. And so we see Alex step up in a way to, to fill Kara's shoes in the role as the kind of leader that Kara is, as opposed to, say, Alex's leader energy, which she has <laughs> with like being at the DEO. Which is not inspiring in anywhere near the same kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's a leader. She's quite a good tactical leader. And yeah. we see her play that role a lot in the Super Friends. We actually do see her stick to that role initially here because when they first go to find the Phantom, she stays behind because she's the only one who has no powers. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And then later she does not. Correct. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but we see Alex fill the role of Supergirl in the sense that she literally gives like a hope speech. <laughs> I know. It was like a nice hope speech. It wasn't yeah. like a demotivational hope speech. <laughs> it wasn't like her like these creepy 
creepy bastards. It wasn't like, I think you suck, but Kara sees potential in you. So I guess try harder. (laughs) Yeah. And she says the idea, which we heavily associate with Kara as a hero, like, we always find a way. Mm -hmm. The very essence of hope. And that's something that, you know, Alex is somebody who is more skeptical and a little bit more pessimistic or cynical, I think, is more accurate. Yeah, that's a better word. She's more prone to doubt and that makes it a big effort <laughs> for her to to play that role. And it was also nice to see this moment of there's like a slight pause where like nobody reacts for a second after Alex gives this like beautiful, hopeful speech. And Lena's like, absolutely. <laughs> and supports her. Yeah. As another person who recognizes that like, oh, we need somebody who's doing this for the group. We need like a source of hope and I can help you help other people find that hope. Yeah. And it was also... Lena starting to figure out how to integrate herself into the team and find a role and also recognizing the way that she did belatedly in the premiere that Alex is like the first person in this team of Team Kara. (laughs) (laughs) But she's looking to be cued by other people instead of acting first Mm. and then being like, oh, I maybe should have waited a second. Right. Yeah. Good point. And... In turn, we also see Alex make an unusual social effort. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the sense that she she kind of plays the role that Cara usually would with Lena in in making her feel welcome and like bringing her into the team and reassuring her that she is forgiven. Mm hmm. And being, like, morally motivational. (laughs) Yeah. Well, even if it doesn't seem like it initially. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she does it in in an Alex way, which I think is needed and and I appreciate, you know. (laughs) It was in a very typical, like, older sister Alex way. (laughs) That is true. The scene where she is giving Lena advice on the balcony had a little bit of Alex talking to Kara energy in the sense that it's the kind of advice that she would give Mm -hmm. in a way we don't always see with other characters. Like, her dynamic with Jean is... It's not like on that same pure level. No. And it's also it's a little bit softer than maybe when she had to, you know, encourage Wynn to get past his fear in season two mm. when they needed to save Kara. And she was like, look, I was scared, too. You just got to get over it. Like, <laughs> um, Speaking of yeah. Alex having the worst bedside manner <laughs> of all time. Um, and we uh, love her for it. And we appreciate that about her. Yes. One of the lessons of the episode is that everyone has their their different yeah, qualities. Their, their strengths. We appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> And in both of those aspects, Alex is quite a hopeful person in the group to fill that role that Kara can't right now. And she also, going back to this idea of like Krypton's legacy being hope and sacrifice, Mm. she makes some pretty big sacrifices in this episode. She sure does. And faces the hard things, which we talked about last week, in a big way and chooses the world, like sort of philosophical concept of the world. Like she chooses a lot of people's lives over the lives of her loved ones, potentially, and does so like one by one, makes that choice like consistently. Yeah, because each one of them progressively gets attacked by the phantoms. Yeah. In front of her. Yeah. And the thing that Alex says to Lena at the end of the episode about, you know, I did the thing that had to be done is actually her saying something that Eliza said to her in the beginning of the series. Hmm which is that Alex is the person who will sacrifice her own needs or happiness to make the difficult choices that need to be made for Mm -hmm. the good of everyone. 
And that was embodied beautifully in this episode. And the other thing that we saw that was kind of a demonstration of the growth of of her character was her willingness to trust Jean and follow his orders, even when every instinct in her was screaming not to, Mm. in a way that she did not do (laughs) in early episodes of the show, especially if it came down to choosing between doing that and protecting Kara in the way that she thought made the most sense. Right. So that was very cool to see. Yeah. And we also see an interesting moment with Jean, you know, going back to following orders. He gives an order of run to Alex when he is overcome by the phantoms and already about to turn into one. And it was like just in terms of auditory, like triggers really reminded me of him yelling run in the episode, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? When Manchester was making him see his daughters being attacked by the white Martians, he yelled out, run to them because he was in the grips of that that vision. Thank you for that heartbreaking comparison. <laughs> Just as like an interesting aside in terms of Jean and his role in Alex's life as a father figure. Mm, yeah. And there's been a lot of father content obviously, in this early part of the season. But one thing that stood out to me in in watching this episode, particularly the second time when I was looking for the things within the structure, we see something of a revisiting of Kara and Alex's sister conflict from season two, specifically over dad issues. Um, (laughs) Well, one of the things, because in season two, Kara was very concerned that Alex would choose to save Jeremiah over all of the aliens that Cadmus had taken and was going to just get rid of forever. And when Alex is faced with that choice here, she does not falter at this point. She's like, nope, I know what I need to do. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. As much as it may hurt me personally. Yeah. And it also was a nice reflection of Alex and her understanding of Kara's principles and what Kara would want. Yeah, that's true. In her heart, because we see this come up actually in, in 219, the Alex episode where she's kidnapped because Kara's so distressed over what to do. And Alex gives her permission to do the thing she knows Kara should and will do. Mm-hmm. which is to f- stick to her principles, even if it means Alex is lost. Mm-hmm. And so her recognizing that here, like Kara would want us to do the thing that serves the greatest good for the most people was really important and nice to see her express that because she's known that instinctually forever. <laughs> yeah. And this sort of thing where like Kara tries to find a way to save everybody, like the goal is save as many people as possible. Has caused some conflict, as you mentioned. <laughs> sure has. <laughs> like, even with Purity in mm. season three. But we also have seen Alex, you know, like you said, respect and understand and appreciate Kara's value of, like, the most good for the most people and then finding a way to ensure that. And we see that reflected in the way that she says about Kara deciding to send all of the Daxamites away in order to protect the Earth, thus also sending Monel away in a pod and possibly, in her mind, killing him. Alex says, I am so proud of you when Kara is feeling not great about that decision. And then ultimately (laughs) in season three, she goes through kind of a crisis where she sees herself as not human for making that decision. But Alex is proud of her for her ability to do that, kind of in the same way that we see Clark respect that Mm, and and admit that he would not be capable of it. And in this episode, the Lost Souls episode, Alex says Kara would always choose saving others. That's just who she is. 
is with like love and we see how like this is not alex's like personal value in a natural way that's not the outlook that she has for the world Mm. but she recognizes the heroism of it and and she ultimately makes that hard choice because she is in this role of hero especially as sentinel which we hear nia say in the moment where Alex has made the hard choice over and over again in letting her loved ones one by one possibly be, you know, sacrificed in order to get to the phantom like egg thing and save them all. Yeah. <laughs> and Nia is about to fall as the last person. And Alex looks back and Nia says, Sentinel, do it now. And I think that was a nice moment to call her by her vigilante name because it was a powerful moment for Alex in making that hard choice and and being a hero well yeah actually because the first time we hear that value expressed for her it comes shortly thereafter is the and you've always been my my supergirl mm. so that was a really nice connection of that too yeah but both Kara and alex historically throughout the series will make strategic moves that people don't expect them to because the cost of doing it is so high like she was seriously thinking about letting Max blow some people up in season one. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, but like true. literally like Rhea did not think that Kara would go to the lengths of irradiating the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> and also Alex blowing up all of Cadmus. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like they both consider the options. If something seems like logical or they're like, there's a good reason for it, even if it's hard, they will consider it seriously, which is funny because they are both like emotion driven people. But, you know, the importance of the things that they are trying to protect is greater than any sort of misgivings mm. they may have yeah. or like undesirable decisions. So this concept of like, Making the hard choice in the way that maybe Kara is more inclined to versus Alex makes the hard choice a lot, I think, naturally in terms of putting her loved ones before herself. Mm-hmm. Kara does that in terms of putting the world above herself and her loved ones. <laughs> she just loves all the human, all, people, the, all, all the people, all the creatures. <laughs> yeah. So the influence that that value has had on Alex is one way that we see how Kara has impacted her in a positive or sort of stronger together way. Which brings us to something Alex says, which I think reflects the sort of theme of the episode, which is, she says to Lena, we all have different life experiences and perspectives and strengths. It's our willingness to hear each other out. That's what makes this a great team. Mm, Yeah. This sort of idea that the diversity of the group and the different experiences that they have and, and values, even just because everyone in the group is not like a supergirl, <laughs> mm, yeah, that does not mean that they don't all offer important things that are needed for the group and which make the group stronger than they would be if we just had a bunch of Kara's or, or a bunch of Alex's or a bunch of, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that idea has been a nice subtext throughout the seasons, particularly with Alex and Kara and how they work because they are different in personality and values and because they offer those different strengths and perspectives. Like Alex in this episode talks about like the way that she feels that 
I didn't care if that phantom took over the whole city or the whole world. I wanted nothing more than to drop everything and go after my sister. And that energy, while, you know, the show Supergirl thinks the more heroic thing to do is to sacrifice her sister in order to save everybody, the show also values Alex's perspective. And that is important, especially in how it has helped Kara to be the person that she is. Yeah. Which takes us to her who we set up a little bit with how in the episode there was quite a bit of like House of El versus Danvers family parallels and, and differences that show up. Kara is obviously separated from the Danvers family right now and reunited with a member of the L family, her father, Zorel. Well, yeah, not only is she, you know, reunited with her father, but we also spend time in this episode going back to Allura mm. and her impact on both Kara and on Kara as a hero specifically and Kara's kind of disillusionment process with recognizing her parents as complex people. So mm. it's interesting because they're in the phantom zone, which is literally full of creepy ghostly creatures, <laughs> and they're in these dead buildings that were created by Krypton with essentially Allura's ghost kind of lingering in, <laughs> in the space. And you have Kara, because Kara does not have the crystal of Allura with her there, she's asking her father, well, what would she have done? Mm. What would she have thought? How would she have put a backup plan? Because apparently her mother has a logic brain like Alex's <laughs> and uh, contingency plans for everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, go back to our comparison of like Alex looking at the hollow Kara. Kara is wondering what this other person who's not around would do. And going back to this idea of the sisters like coping with each other not being around and the idea that different people in a group serve different purposes and roles and support each other in different ways. Zorel serves in this episode as kind of a quasi like Alex or Danvers <laughs> family fill in yeah. for Kara. Yeah. And there was even a really nice close up of Kara going to hold his hand. That was reminiscent of the scene in the pilot episode in season one mm. where Alex takes Kara's hand as they go to activate the crystal to see Allura. Yeah. And then there was a parallel moment like that in the Kara's family side when <laughs> Magan and Nia took each other's hands to kind of use their powers in combination to find where the phantoms were. So the way that matched each other was kind of fun as well. Yeah. And has that stronger together energy. <laughs> yeah. And with regard to, you know, Zorel holding Kara's hand, initially Alex was there in the pilot episode to hold Kara's hand because like Allura couldn't, she wasn't, you know, physically there. And in this episode, we see in a weird way, like Zorel is holding Kara's hand because Alex can't hold hers. Mm, so that's yeah. sort of a nice cycle. And we also see generally Zorel in this episode try to like care for Kara <laughs> and like worries about her. And mm, yeah. he in the beginning is concerned when Kara's like obviously affected by like phantom chills and the terror, as he calls it. But it's also through this lens of like doubt where he's like, it's getting to be too much. Because mm, yeah. we know that Zorel has wanted to like low key turn back this whole time and is only going with Kara because like 
he loves her and wants to be there with her, which is interesting because the last time that Kara, you know, before the Phantom Zone had seen Zorel was in the pilot episode. And the first line that she says in the series, like as a character, as opposed to in the narration, is said to Zorel and she says, I'm not afraid, father. Mm, yeah. And she's like reassuring him in that scene, you know, as like a 13 year old girl that she's strong enough that like she's brave and can handle this and, and can handle the task of like protecting Kal-El and going to Earth and becoming extraordinary, etc. And then, you know, flash forward to Zorel now where he's too afraid to want to risk hope. Yeah. To want to try to leave the Phantom Zone. And he also doubts her ability to persevere. And we see how Carr is frustrated with that and how when he sees that the mirror is broken, he says, I knew this was a waste of time. And Carr's <laughs> like, Father, please. <laughs> like, dude. Uh <laughs> And it puts Kara in the position of having to like prove things to Zorel and and prove that things will be all right, which for Kara makes it hard to like admit maybe when she has doubts or when she is suffering from, for instance, the phantom chills. For example, she says this like tired 24 storage rooms and still no mirror when she's alone. <laughs> but I can't mm. picture her saying to Zorel because she has to be more positive in order to keep him going. Which is why Nixley kind of gets to her when she's like, admit it, he's dragging us down. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> and Kara even has to prove something when like Zorel breaks his ankle and she refuses to leave him and to make that hard choice, which is kind of an Alex hard choice. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of dilemma of like when you can't find you know, another way to do both. But then there's this moment when Zorel says Ina, which is daughter in Kryptonese, and Kara like stops in her tracks. She goes from this very like Supergirl focused business face <laughs> to quite, I'd qualify, just like young looking in the sense that her eyes open up like wide and her face relaxes in that way. And Mm. And you sort of remember that Kara has like abandonment issues and like <laughs> has lost her parents and like now he's here. I can't imagine why they're reminding us of all of that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, no one has called me that. And as she says, the next part, her like eyebrows turn up for the sadder part in decades, which is sad because of how long it has been. Mm. Yeah. And there's a sense of like, oh, right. This is my father who, you know, I've missed and I've wanted to be there to support me and, and love me. And I felt abandoned for all this time. And, oh, maybe I like needed this. And it sort of surprises her and, and ultimately like refocuses her on what needs to happen. Yeah, which the surprise part is interesting because you and I have said it's interesting that Kara hasn't expressed more reflection or longing for the things that she is missing that we've seen yet. Yeah. And it's because she is so in survival mode. So that was a really nice beat of her reconnecting to her own humanity that she dislikes <laughs> so much sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, going back to this idea of her fusing both of her identities that she's grown up with. Mm, yeah. And as sort of an argument to what Nixley says about Zorel sort of dragging them down, that moment of connection and, and like having someone care for her gives her, I think, the emotional space and a bit of support to yeah. to make the difficult decision that she does. And then the even 
more difficult decision she makes after that for <laughs> smashing the mirror. And that's a role that Alex often serves for her. And the Danvers family in general, caring about her specifically. Yeah. And that gives her the ability to be the hero that she is, as she's talked about herself. And we see a nice parallel here where having someone care for her in the sort of Danvers family-ish way mm. <laughs> allows her to make that difficult decision. And then with Alex, we see having hope <laughs> give her the space to do the same thing, make a huge difficult decisions and and risk losing loved ones because she has hope that she'll be able to get them back ultimately. Yes. Which takes us to the general structure of this episode in terms of their arcs and how the Danvers sisters were paralleled. Yeah. So the show will do this periodically. I've definitely talked about this repeatedly over the years. <laughs> they intentionally will mirror, pun intended, Kara and Alex's journeys as characters and sometimes even their specific stories within a season or like in this case within an episode. Hmm. And on a text level, as far as the way the episode was written, this one was really, really identical hmm. in that they each went through the same beats, but from their own, as Alex says, unique perspective. Yeah. And so it felt distinct enough that if you weren't looking at those symbols specifically and those parallels, you you might not have even noticed it. Mm. So, for example, the core conflict for each of them in the story is choosing between their own self-interest, which in Alex's case is preserving the lives of her family and her loved ones. Mm -hmm. And in Kara's case is returning home. Yeah. To be with her loved ones. Yeah. And so they have to choose between that and making a stand and choosing to stick to their principles and to their bigger ideals as heroes. Yeah, with Alex and keeping the phantoms from taking over maybe the world and Kara keeping Nixley from also endangering the world. <laughs> yeah, well, it was Kara choosing to protect Earth, you know, as she has been dubbed the champion of Earth. So the main conflict for each of them was this challenge of, do I do what's in my own best interest, which is also the thing Lena struggles with in this episode too, yeah. or do I do the thing that I know is ultimately the best decision for everyone, right. even if it sucks for me personally? <laughs> we also see, side note, Megan be totally ready to do the thing that yes. sucks for her personally. Oh my goodness. It was, yeah, it was a little concerning on the one hand. <laughs> But on the other hand, it was, again, this really nice beat of, like, Alex is, we need to do this thing. And McGon's like, yeah, we do. And everyone else is like, but you'll die. <laughs> and then the way this conflict plays out is there's an initial setback for, for both Kara and Alex. And it's how do I maintain hope the way we talked about hope as an action mm. by reframing what my goals or the goals of my group are and reframing my own perspective so that. Instead of feeling like I'm stuck or at a loss, I still can see a path forward. Mm. And so they both essentially say, you know, there's got to be another way to do this, which is, mm. you know, Kara's default setting. <laughs> so like in Alex's case, the initial setback was that if they try to find Kara, they may run out of time to be able to save Magan. And she says, OK, well, we're going to figure out how to do both. And with Kara, they get to the like anchor point for the portal to get out of the Phantom Zone and find that the mirror is already broken. And Kara's like, she's she's at the point where she's maybe reaching the end of her rope. Mm. And instead of giving into that, which again goes back to this conversation we've had about 
Kara's resiliency as a person. Right. She says, okay, hang on. Number one, we will find another solution because my mother was the kind of person who would have had another solution mm. because that's where Kara learned this from. <laughs> and the other thing that we see in both cases is both Alex and Kara reassuring the rest of the team that despite this setback, they can proceed. So mm. Alex, you know, she's confident we all trust each other. We have the skills. We have the the teamwork to get this done. And Kara is up against a much bigger mountain to climb as far as persuading her team, right. so to speak, <laughs> that they can do it. And But she does a beautiful job of saying, this may seem hopeless, but look at all the things you already thought were impossible that we did. Mm. And yeah, refocusing everything. But then we have the new setback, which is specifically with relation to, you know, the, the team for both of them. Yes, which is like a clash of ideals or mm. just general dissension from either Alex or Kara as the leader at this point of each group. And so in the Earth group, we have this really nice scene and it's like one of the first longer scenes that Alex and Lena have had together individually. And Lena says she does not want to risk losing Kara by modifying the technology mm -hmm. and giving up the one sure thing that they have of knowing that they could get to her, much like Alex was ready to go jumping right in through that Phantom Zone portal until Jean yeah. pulled her back. And so at this point, Alex, as the person who's come up with the plan and who's kind of taking point here mm -hmm. has to make a hard choice um, <laughs> her favorite situation to be in and she's got to decide okay what do I do how do I get Lena on my side do I get her on my side or do I just say too bad and, and walk away <laughs> it's like a little bit um, of both <laughs> and so she she does all of those things in a better version than when she and Kara interrogated purity and Alex was a little bit snotty and was like we'll try it your way first and when that doesn't work we'll try mine <laughs> does it she does both of their ways she tries Kara's way first and she delivers a really good attempt to persuade Lena mm. emotionally first. And when that doesn't work in classic Alex fashion, she has a backup plan <laughs> and she just uses her hand of the soldier gauntlet to take the thing from Lena because she knows that's the only way that they're going to be able to make any progress. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> theoretically, like if they had... If they'd had more time, maybe more time, she could have talked her into it. Persuade her. Yeah. yeah. But that move also allowed Alex the opportunity to take away Lena's opportunity to do something about, mm. like maybe take the crystal away herself. That action was both tactically good. And then also afterwards, she's like, sorry, but I can't actually let you. Yeah. She's like, take it. It's not personal, but like, mm -hmm. well, and also, too, this is a little bit of that reflection of this is Alex in peak hero soldier Alex mode mm. of like, there is a chain of command. This is the plan. <laughs> yeah. Don't deviate from the plan. Don't, like, um. <laughs> don't deviate. Yeah. But she also has, you know, maybe better, as you phrased it, bedside matter than usual. Yes. She's trying to be sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so then over on the Phantom Zone squad, Kara's being hit by some really big obstacles, which is that she walks into this uncomfortable situation where her father is now wounded. And as we saw in the previous episode, wounds will not heal. Mm -hmm. And now he's got a broken bone and can't walk, you know, and now is a detriment to them. And then we find out later on in this conflict that Nixley was responsible for it specifically. So there's some deep, deep <laughs> mistrust here. <laughs> I'll say. And it's one of those things that actually it pushes the bounds of where Alex sometimes 
can be skeptical of Kara of her implicit desire to trust in people and mm-hmm. inspire their confidence because she did all of that. And then Nixley betrayed her, essentially, which wasn't great. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good time, I wouldn't say. No. And so Kara is now put in this position where the one person who's got some sort of their powers that are functional Mm -hmm. is against her, number one. Number two, her father is physically unable to be of any assistance. Mm -hmm. And she's also in a situation where if she wants to be able to save any of them, she's got to leave him behind to the whims of whatever bad things may happen. Mm. And and of course, the idea of, of leaving her father in this horrible place that's making her relive being trapped after she had to leave her father the last time right. is uh, not <laughs> putting her in the best Ideal. frame of yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is after we've already seen Zorel call attention to the fact that the, the Phantom Zone is starting to affect Kara more than it was before and get to her. Mm-hmm. And so now it's Kara's turn to make an extremely hard decision of whether to stay with her father, bring him with them, even though it might risk all their lives and cut off their ability to ever leave, yeah. or to say goodbye to him again, essentially. Yeah, which, like you said, harkens back to like the most difficult decision that the show has presented in, in terms of like origin story <laughs> yeah. of them sending Kara away in the pod and how like almost unimaginable that is. Kara has to, again, kind of like in season two at the end when she sends Monel away, make, you know, similar choice of like, okay, we have to leave each other. Yeah, well, and then within them and building to that point of conflict and re-triggering all of Kara's initial pain of that loss, they also did a nice parallel of Kara having to make the decision to leave Zorel behind with Alex having to watch Jean be overtaken by the phantoms and choose to leave him behind mm. and then progressively leave everyone else that she considers a part of her extended family behind right. in the hope that she will succeed. Yeah. there. It's in both cases a great buildup of Alex one by one has to make these awful decisions culminating in like an awesome moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately, Alex does find the willpower to do the thing that she knows she needs to do, even though she's internally screaming. <laughs> she ultimately is successful in stopping the phantoms from overtaking all of Earth. But in order to do it, she ends up destroying the hologram crystal that is her last link to Mm -hmm. any living part of Kara and losing all of the memories and information that Kara had specifically left behind for her and for the rest of her family, Mm -hmm. which we all know from having watched these sisters all series was probably like the worst choice of ever. (laughs) Yeah. But she was still like, this is more important and it's what Kara would want. Mm -hmm. And honoring her memory is the way of preserving it. So, yeah, here we are. A big hero moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then for Kara. Yeah. Well, we see for her she has a similar like build up of like stressors. She's in the Phantom Zone, which we have established like the reasons why that's not great. <laughs> and yeah. she's also like becoming more and more affected by it in terms of, you know, the like 
it's both the psychological and the physiological effects of it. Because she mentions how it feels similar to like the kryptonite with it running through her veins. Right. Yeah. And so that's building or making things like worse. And then she has to leave behind her father. And as you so well laid out, that is not great and, and harkens back to her initial trauma. And so Kara knows pretty well, like what she is doing in yeah. this moment and what she is sacrificing. And she still decides to destroy her only way home in order to protect Earth. Yes. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was like the slow motion smashing and the heroic music plays. And it really emphasizes that moment as like, oh, my God, <laughs> Kara is the hero. And, and this is what heroism is for the show. Like she just pulled herself together enough to give away the one thing she knows for sure, much like Alex did, mm. will get her back to the people that she loves in the place she wants to be. Yeah. And I told you when I watched it, it reminded me of the the beat in season two in episode 215 where Lillian is like, you wouldn't really do that when Alex is threatening to blow up Cadmus. And she's like, yes, I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Even her delivery, because Nixie is like, oh, I've got you. And Kara's like, uh, joke's on you. <laughs> yeah. And you had another observation about reasons that these moments were quite heroic. I did. So I hinted at this earlier in our podcast episode, but at the start of the episode for Alex and the rest of the super friends, she chooses to stay back when they go scouting the Phantom's Lair. And she's the only one who is human and doesn't have superpowers. And, and that's a significant choice that she stays behind, even though she, in theory, has this new hero identity now. Mm. But then at the end of the day, she is the one who succeeds and she's still exactly who she was in the pilot, which is she is the hero who does not have powers. Yeah. Who gets to save everybody anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was so cool to be able to see that. And then to mirror her, <laughs> Kara gets to be the hero without powers today too. Yeah. We see it also emphasized the fact that she doesn't have her powers early on when she pulls open the door and it's a struggle as opposed to her her go to kicking down of doors. Well, and at the end in the in the final conflict, Nixley even baits her a little bit. She's like, you're not going to beat me. You don't you don't have all your powers and I have mine. Mm, and yeah. Kara's like, but I don't need them. I have other skills. I have other <laughs> skills. Well, it, you know, going back, back to what you said about Alex being like the hero without powers, Kara's the hero because of other traits. Like yes. the parts of her that are most heroic are her ability to choose always to make those kinds of decisions and, and play that role for the world. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to take this wonderful hero moment that we've just covered in the conclusion of both of these arcs. And we are going to, like Kara, smash some things for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alex concludes her arc of making the hard choice between her self-interest and her principles with the ultimate conclusion that, yes, they are stronger together. Mm -hmm. When she succeeds, she saves everyone and brings them back. And then they help her clear out the rest of the phantoms. They save all the people who've been harmed. We get to see that Silas is still OK, yeah. locked away in his quarantine box. But then we have Kara, who ends her wonderful heroic victory. It's more of the uh, literary term, her Pyrrhic victory, hmm. because she makes the choice 
to sacrifice the thing that is important to her for the greater good, which is keeping Nixley from getting to Earth and wreaking havoc there. Mm. And she's alone. She is 100% alone at the end. She tries to get Nixley to leave with her and that does not work. Mm -hmm. She obviously didn't have enough time to go back to get to where her father was to know what had happened to him. And so she standing alone as far as she can get from it, watching the whole thing explode. Yeah. So which you <laughs> said to me was reminiscent of watching your planet explode. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. And Kara is in some ways in, I think, the place that maybe Alex was two episodes ago where there's <laughs> the wall is about to be hit. The, yeah. What is the way out for her? You know, <laughs> what is the yeah. next move? Like Alex could not envision a way to actually get to Kara. For Kara, it's like the one thing, the one idea that she had that was like anything <laughs> within this desolate phantom zone was the anchor, which is now completely destroyed with the one companion that she had possibly in it having died, her father. Mm, yeah. The one friend that she made having betrayed her and Kara maybe thinks that she's also dead. So what does she do now? Like, you know, what kind of mindset is Kara going to be in now where there isn't, as far as I can see, a path forward? Well, and it's really testing the limits of her own faith in what she believes mm -hmm. and in how she believes about people. I really am excited to see how that plays out because it'll tie back again to the beginning of the series where she says, well, I need the faith of the people close to me. Mm. And that was part of her struggle in this episode also because Zorel kept changing his mind. Yeah. Well, let's envision that Kara does not personally find a way out mm. and that instead her family comes to get her. Tying into this theme of power, yeah. does Kara feel powerless? Does she feel like mm. she had to just sit and wait, kind of like she had to sit and wait within her pod to be rescued? Yeah. How does she grapple with that? Does she fall back on, no, it's okay to be, you know, we are stronger together. It's okay that I need other people as like the ultimate conclusion. Your thing about Kara and needing to be rescued just made me consider something Kara says to Alex in the pilot episode, which is, you must have been so scared you didn't know I was coming to rescue you mm. when she saves <sighs> the plane. Nice. So that'll be interesting. That's an interesting <laughs> read of like something I did not see in the pilot episode as Kara like relating her own personal experience to what Alex was experiencing mm. before. So that is interesting. Yeah. So the one thing that'll be interesting to see is if Kara will be hopeful that her family can get to her. Like right. she ha that hasn't even crossed her mind yet. Like she's never said anything no. like, I am stuck here. They have the projector somewhere. You know, they can get to me somehow. Yeah. Well, she's also, you know, she's not prone to waiting. And, and No, she is not. And she's used to being able to, to solve all the problems, which is also <laughs> sometimes a point of contention with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because Kara has that internal locus of control. Yeah. And it's being tested really, really hard right now. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, Alex, on going back to parallels, she is feeling more in control with yeah. her family and their ability to find a way. So this is an interesting place for the characters to be in. And we'll see what happens next. And then, as usual, we have just a couple little fun observations about the episode not connected to the main theme. There was one nice little moment that I do want to touch on because we talked about this last week, too, which was Lena coming out to the new balcony of Deep Thoughts <laughs> at the tower to offer Alex a drink and kind of 
chat about all that had gone down. Mm. I wanted to revisit that because we talked about last week how for Alex it was such progress that when she was really deep in feeling upset, she was not drinking to cope with that. Mm. And how the situation here even, I think, feels a little bit different than some of the other ways we may have seen her drinking with other people before, too. Number one... There wasn't any animosity in the scene, which knowing how Lena can hold grudges <laughs> and how Alex can sometimes oh, yeah. also hold grudges. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to see them like both at their most aggressive. They're most unwilling to work with each other. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they had that energy at one point in season five, but they didn't actually interact. Well, and in season three, too, when they were in the uh, Valley of Jiru. Oh, right. They're sort of passive aggressive. Yeah. But just again, for talking about growth for both of these characters that they have mostly let their disagreement go, which is more a significant step for Lena than it is for Alex, because Alex has had, you know, a a decade and a half of practice of arguing moral points with Kara. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, and Lena's Lena's had her moments of arguing with Lex, but her family was full of sociopaths who made her feel terrible about herself all the time. So mm-hmm. for her to not be afraid that, like, it's friendship over right. was really important. And also yeah. she's coming and using sort of the, the love language of this family, <laughs> which is like food and drinks. Yeah, yeah. As like a peace offering to kind of say, like, maybe we should revisit that conversation. Mm. But also, too, like for Alex, as far as the alcohol part is concerned, this isn't like a, A, it wasn't a choice of hers, and B, it's like, it's a social thing in a nice way. Right. And it's limited. She's not like, let's go get the whole bottle, like, (laughs) and be like, oh, man, this was a terrible day today. Like, (laughs) it is funny, though, because they are both the characters that remain in the show who will they both will yeah. rely on alcohol for when they're not feeling great it, yeah coping in not good ways yeah. well they're both very feelings led in different ways so that <laughs> makes sense yeah speaking of uh food being a love language in this little family unit <laughs> brainy and his comfort donuts was a nice little subtle indication of what he said last week about missing Kara. yeah that's nice. And the conversation that Nia had with him was also really great related to that. It's just cute that the donuts are a running gag that's been there since season one. Yeah, yeah. Which I think <laughs> was initially because Melissa liked donuts a lot. Other thing I do want to bring up because the show tried so hard to make this clear and it unfortunately just didn't quite get there. <laughs> they were really trying to indicate that Kryptonians not being human do not shed DNA in the same ways that we expect humans to do. So like hair, skin. <laughs> but they did try to suggest that because they hint at it earlier on in the episode, which is why Alex suggests the crystal. And then at the end of the episode, they allude to it more clearly, but they're still really, and this is where they've done a better job of reminding us that, you know, Alex has the background in in science and stuff, but like her family's medical specialty is Kryptonians. Mm -hmm. It would have been nice to have her say like, yeah, this is impossible because like, (laughs) like, I know what we actually need and don't need here, (laughs) (laughs) especially since she was the one who kind of took authority in the Earth group's section of the episode so that would have helped yeah it left a lot of people confused the way they tried to make it clear at the end was by implying that they had to go to a time that Kara has solar flared because if you will recall from season one when she did lose her powers she was able to break her skin and bleed which then would create dna right and that's also what lillian did in season two when they made Kara blow out her power so that they could use her blood at cadmus Mm. yeah she's the girl of steel (laughs) 
and last little thing was we had the narration intro again. That's been a while. I know. And as I pointed out, they had a version of it within the text of the show last week where Kara gave her origin story. So it was neat that they've, yeah. after that, resumed sharing it at the start of the episode. Yeah. They used the theme which originated in season three, which was like sort of the maybe darker, like more serious Supergirl theme that they created, which is, I think, called like drowning something in the score. Ah, Yes. <laughs> Because that's yes. what happens in the beginning of season three. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end, they have a little like Supergirl theme, almost like a vamp <laughs> portion that rounds it out nicely. And is a nice addition mm. in this final season of the show. So that was cool. Yeah. You like to look at the intros and see what changes across the episodes and if there are updates that signify something, a story shift. Mm. Yes. In this episode, the intro included like Kara with her sister and her friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like protect the world, no longer have the DEO. They are no longer bound by institutions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which maybe they'll say something about because that is something that they have referenced in interviews. The fact yeah. that they don't have the DEO anymore and what that means in terms of power. So maybe we'll see something develop for that. Or maybe it'll stay the same all season. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. And we did get a couple of listener questions this week, which we will post the answers to on our site because one or two of them did contain some spoilers. So we would like to give people the option to see those or not. Yep. So thank you guys for sending them. There were some really good questions that we were excited to answer. Yeah. And we welcome more of them. And next week is prom night. <sighs> yes. So this is going to be a two-parter, which they rarely do. I think this is the first time they've done a two-parter since season one, actually. What was the other two-parter? The finale. Oh. Technically, it was cool. two parts. Yeah. And so since I kind of commented last week that they keep having these like musical theater secret vibes <laughs> in each of the episodes, I was like, oh, prom is the theme. So are we talking like the prom, the musical that's like really gay? Or <laughs> are we talking like Carrie, the musical, <laughs> which is arguably less so <laughs> <laughs> just slightly well we're having the and brainy go back to midvale so ghost stallions <laughs> and they are you know they do form a queer couple so that got is the vibes true. going I was initially kind of curious to see if it was going to be like a flashback to more characters because I was like, oh if we got to see like baby Nia trying to navigate that that would also be really interesting <laughs> that'd be cool well you know Part two, I don't know. <laughs> There'll be one later. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, this should be a lot of fun. It's the first time we've seen an extended episode with the younger versions of Car and Alex since mm -hmm. season three. That part's been really nice because that was a deficit in season two from when they changed networks and they, they didn't initially recast the younger versions right. of Car and Alex. And that lack of connection to the past of those characters was kind of a hindrance throughout season two. So it's been really nice that they've kept that as a critical component of informing us about that relationship and yeah. comparing it to the present. And so, yeah, that'll be nice in terms of this being the last season. Yeah. And like maybe honoring that aspect of the show a bit, giving it its own space in a really cool way. And that's also part of why we wanted to do this episode on Danvers Sisters Parallels mm -hmm. to set us up for these episodes. Yeah. And the show has been building towards this between Nia's dreams, the fact that they had Kara specifically referencing Eliza. Mm. And then this episode was so deliberately about how Kara and Alex are a unit, even when they're separate from each other. Right. And so it was all building to whatever we're going to 
to see that's going to be instrumental in everybody finding a solution to get Kara back. So that yeah. should be very cool. Which, given that we did spend this much time talking about Kara and Alex now, we're hoping that we'll get to have some fun time with Nia and Brainy and their time travel shenanigans next week. <laughs> yes. So we'll see you guys then. As always, you can send us questions or comments on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.